Welcome, listeners, to Time for an Awakening on Black Talk Radio Network, new media for the new millennia. This is a history and current events program from a cultural perspective. We find this program necessary because Hosea 4, 6 states, my people are destroyed for the lack of knowledge. But we as a people can turn this around. Proverbs 4, 7 states, wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom with all that getting get an understanding. Again, welcome to the program this evening with your host, Brother Elliot and Brother Richard. The number to reach us to join the conversation this evening is 215-490-9832. That's 215-490-9832. We're streaming live. At several locations, you can go to timeforanawakening.com, which is the homepage, and catch the live stream at that location. You can go to www.blacktalkradionetwork.com forward slash time for an awakening. Again, it's www.blacktalkradionetwork.com forward slash time for an awakening. Catch the live stream there also. You can go to abb2me.com. That's A B I. B-I-T-U-M-I dot com forward slash time for an awakening catch the live stream there broadcasting in Ghana or you can download the TuneIn radio app to any of your devices TuneIn is a free app and then that TuneIn search engine just type in time for an awakening there you'll see the icon and you can stream your program live even into your car if you had the Bluetooth capabilities or the auxiliary connection again that's time for an awakening radio program with the live stream on the TuneIn app. Drop us an email at timeforanawakening at gmail.com. Again, that's timeforanawakening at gmail.com. Time for an Awakening also has a fan page on Facebook. And that Facebook search engine is shaping time for an awakening radio program. There you always see interesting content being posted daily by myself or my brother Richard. And do me a favor before you leave that page, just hit that like button. That's time for an awakening radio program with the fan page on Facebook and Time for an Awakening Media is there. Always full of the latest podcasts of the various programs on Time for an Awakening Media. Interesting articles that re- you can read, download at later times, and share with your friends. Also check out that Time for an Awakening Marketplace and our partnership with the BB Toomey. Always interesting things in the marketplace all the time. Uh, various African language classes, classes on education, economics, social systems, health, and much, much more being taught by professors on both the continent and in the diaspora. So make that one of your favorites. Put that in your address bar. That's timeforanawakening.com. Timeforanawakening.com will take you straight to Time for an Awakening Media. It's 7.07 here in the city of Philadelphia on this Sunday edition of Time for an Awakening. I'm sorry. Sunday edition of Time for an Awakening. And uh, our special guest this evening, activist, organizer, and national male co-chair of Encobra, Brother Cam Howard, will be joining us uh, to give us an update on what's going on with H.R. 40 
and we'll spin off into other topics that uh, that deal with uh, our people getting reparations, both here in the United States and worldwide. We can do that, and you can join the conversation always by dialing 215-490-9832. That's 215-490-9832. We'll be right back to get the program started after a brief word from our sponsors. Mr. Moderator, our distinguished guests, brothers and sisters, our friends and and our enemies. Everybody is here. You are listening to Time for an Awakening Media, part of the Black Talk Radio Network. For podcasts or live programming, hit them up at timeforanawakening.com. All Insurance Incorporated, an African-American-owned and operated insurance agency in business for over 20 years, located at 231 Southeastern Road in Glenside, PA, with other offices in Germantown and West Philadelphia. Call now for commercial insurance quotes, homeowners insurance quotes, automobile insurance quotes, notary and tax services, representing over 15 major A-rated insurance companies, offering a discount on all notary services when you call in for a free quote. Call this number, 21 215- 215-885-2444. That number is 215-885-2444. 215-885-2444. All Insurance Incorporated. Before your roof becomes unruly, call Dooley. Dooley Brothers, specializing in shingle, rubber roofs, gutters, downspouts, and vinyl sidings. Call for your free estimate today, 215-224-3882. That's 215-224-3882. Dooley Brothers Roofing, the roofing experts you can trust. That number again, 215-224-3882. 215-224-3882. Before your roof becomes unruly, call Dooley. RG Electrical Inspections provides electrical inspections for realtors, licensed electricians, and homeowners. Licensed and insured underwriter, serving Philadelphia and surrounding area. Call today, 484-268-9837. Overworked? Suffering with an underperforming company, headache customer, staff, or vendors? Or are you a startup who wants to get it right the first time and avoid the costly mistakes? We turned a $24,000 a year odd job handyman service into a seven-figure high-end custom home builder and commercial contractor licensed and operating in three states. This is just one transformation created for entrepreneurs like you in various industries around the country. Not what you're used to from accounting and business consulting? Well, welcome to New Business Solutions. If you're ready to go beyond advising, coaching, and training and get implemented results, call 301-244-9072. Let New Business Solutions apply the best comprehensive administrative accounting, operations, human resources, management, sales, and marketing to help you actualize your vision for yourself and your company. From anywhere nationally, call 301-244-9072. Spelled new as in numerous on your device right now. Book your free consultation at newbusinesssolutions.com. History is a clock that people use to tell their political and cultural time of day. It is also a 
compass that people use to find themselves on the map of human geography. History tells of people where they have been and what they have been, where they are and what they are. Most important, history tells a people where they still must go, what they still must be. The relationship of history to the people is the same as the relationship of a mother to her child. From antiquity to the present, our people need to develop a new paradigm. It's time for an awakening with your host, Brother Elliot. Sundays, 7 p.m., Fridays at 8 p.m., for podcasting or live program scheduling, hit us up at Time for an Awakening at gmail.com. Welcome back to Time for an Awakening at 712 here in the city of Philadelphia on this Sunday edition of Time for an Awakening. Our guest this evening, activist organizer and male co-chair of the COBRA, Brother Cam Howard, is supposed to be joining us. I think he's on the line, but before we get started with our guest, I want to bring in my co-host, Philadelphia activist and tour guide at the African American Museum here in Philadelphia at 17th Arch Street. Brother Richard is with us. Brother Richard. Yes, sir, Brother Elliot. Can you hear me? Yes, sir. Um, yeah, yes, I'm doing fine. I'm, I'm looking forward to this uh, update from Brother Cam in relationship to, um, you know, in relationship to just the, where the reparations um, movement is and and hr 40 positioning and also you know um elliot um to hopefully recognize to the time for awakening audience the um political capital we have as it relates to this bill in a national in a national and international sense so i'm I'm looking for he hasn't been on in a a while if i'm not mistaken last time for me anyway yeah well i'm glad that you know our relationship with with brother cam that we can reach out to him uh we do have conversation reparations on time for an awakening media it comes on the first and third Monday of every month uh, with brother Jamoke down in Atlanta, but it's good to have uh cam join us to kind of give us an update on, on the work that the organization is doing and what's going on uh, globally, because those are the things that, that, you know, the average person, you know, in the public, our public don't see, we really don't see those things. We don't know the conversations necessarily what's going on. And we should, because if we can join some of the Encobra uh, chapters in the various cities or start one, then a lot of this information can be disseminated to our public. But uh, it's good to have Cam join us, and I think he's with us. Brother Cam, are you there? I am, brother. How's it going? How are you, sir? I feel you hear me okay? Well, sound like you're far away, but uh, we'll, do, we'll do the best we can. You know, that's that's, that's what, what busy people do, right? They... They talk to you from this. I, I'm, I'm right with you, but they're so busy. They got to keep moving. I'm going to take it off of speaker, brother, and uh, put it up to my ear. Oh, good, 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 good. Okay. Better. How's this? That sounds great. All right. All right. I did want to uh, put it on speaker, but hey, man, it's good to be back. Like Richard said, it's been a long time, man. And uh, it's good to be back on uh, Time for Awakening. Look, brother Cam, I know you've been working. Uh, uh, we, we see a lot of the things that's being done. Uh, we're going to talk about a lot of those things tonight. Uh, but before we do that, let's talk about the HR 40 itself, because uh, in April of this year, it made it out of that uh, judiciary, that House Judiciary Committee, uh, and made it to the floor for the first time. Um, talk about what's ne- the necessary steps 
that was taken up until this point, uh, what needs to be done from this point, and also how, because I know you're going to talk about it, but I really want you to kind of emphasize how our people as a whole can be involved somehow because, you know, we're here. And the fight that uh, Encobra and other, other organizations that partner with Encobra is doing is for justice for not only for our people here, but for our ancestors, what was done to our people. So it's a fight that we all need to be involved in. You know, some of our people, they, you know, you hear them, you, you on the streets, Cam, myself and Brother Richard on the streets. You know, some of the talk, oh, this will never happen. We'll never get it. But that's no solution for not only for us or for our children. We have to fight in reference to get justice for our people. It's only two, it's only, to, to me, it's only two alternatives. Either you fight or you make preparations to go elsewhere. And if that's the case, you need political formations either way you choose. And I'm not necessarily talking about no Democrat or Republican because we had political formations before we were dragged to these shores. But you need political formations. So, you know, kind of give us an update on what's going on. And when you culminate it, talk about how our people can really get involved somehow in the fight, whether it's just to make phone calls. It's, it's ways that we can all be involved in this. But go ahead, Cam. Oh, for sure. Most definitely, man. You know, what's, what's going on with the reparations movement is unparalleled in the country right now. Um, there hasn't been, it's unparalleled in the modern reparations movement. But the only time that this nation has been dealing with the issue of redress in the manner that it's dealing with reparations now was during Reconstruction. You know, uh, what to do with black folks coming out of enslavement was the you know, overwhelming topic during the day. There was all type of legislation passed, there were 13th, 14th, 15th Amendments, uh, HR, uh, the uh, uh, Special Field Order Number 15 that mm-hmm. gave, gave us 40 acres of a mule. You know, all type of action was, was being uh, addressed politically and, and socially in this country uh, around the freedmen and freed women. Uh, during the period of Reconstruction. And now we're at that same level, uh, nearly that same level of action around reparations. And whether or not it'll produce, you know, the type of legislation that was produced then, you know, that remains to be seen. You know, but certainly we're in a period where, you know, both houses of Congress, House and the Senate has a bill in place that hasn't been in, been in place since Reconstruction. And uh, in almost every uh, econo- educational institution uh, in this country, someone's talking about reparations. All the media outlets have been, you know, running stories on reparations. Uh, businesses have uh, engaged in talks around redress. Foundations are giving money to reparations organizations, which they had never done before. Uh, organizations that were mainstream organizations, you know, uh, are, are dealing with this issue of reparations. Allied organizations, Jewish organizations, uh, church organizations, white organizations, calling themselves allies, whites for reparations. I mean, there's so much happening in the movement right now that it's unparalleled in my time uh, in life as well as my time as a reparation activist. It's unparalleled. And so, you know, it gives us a lot of hope, uh, but it also says, you know, a whole lot more work has to be done. And uh, with all of these new players, we have to be even more diligent, 
and vigilant on on uh, making sure that it, what what happens throughout throughout all of this, we're in control of it. We're the ones who are determining you know what reparations is. We're determining the, the degree of our injury and what is necessary to to redress and repair those injuries. And so you know, um, I mean, it's, it's an exciting time. It's also a cautious time, and it's also a time where you know you're really seeing how much you have to fight in this country uh, against not only uh, the powers that be, but people they put in place to uh, protect and defend their position. And I can go into that in a second, but let me just pivot over to HR 40 in, in particular. HR 40 uh, is the bill that was introduced in 1989 by Congressman Conyers. He introduced it every uh, two years every congressional session. Uh, since that time, uh, in 2017, with the um, under the direction of NARC, the National African American Reparations Commission, and in COBRA, uh, he allowed us to revise the bill, changing it from a purely study bill to a remedy bill, where not only are and uh, where not only are they to uh, research the history of enslavement, history of Jim Crow, uh, and to uh, make recommendations, which the original bill was supposed to do, just make recommendations. This bill is, is to look at those two areas and uh, look at the injuries that has resulted to our people as a result of enslavement, as a result of Jim Crow segregation, and, and now with the new H.R. 40, post-Jim Crow uh, crimes like mass incarceration, police terror, predatory lending, um, dumping narcotics, heroin, and cocaine in our communities. So it looks at things that happened after Jim Crow as well. So this bill looks it takes a 400-year view of crimes and atrocities and harms committed against black people, and then it must develop proposals, not just make recommendations, they must develop the actual repetitive proposals to address these these current injuries. And, you know, and Cobra says that's five major injury areas: uh, education, economics, you know, the wealth gap, housing, business development. That's uh, all under economics. Uh, criminal justice system, or criminal punishment system, which we call it. Our peoplehood, you know, our culture, our identity, and uh, the health of African people. Those are the five major injury areas that proposals must come out and address, um, and they have to be in alignment with international law. So that legislation was revised and put into law and put into uh, the hopper, if you will, to be passed into law in Congress in 2017. Uh, in 2019, uh, Congressman Conyers, he left Australia in 2018, and Sheila Jackson Lee picked it up in 2019. And it was in 2019 where she held the first um, hearing since I think 2005. So on Juneteenth, 2019, and she held held a hearing on HR 40. Uh, we subsequently were able to get about 170 co-sponsors before the end of that Congress, and uh, we started the new Congress in 2020 one this year uh, with uh, 117, 118 original co-sponsors the first day of Congress. We had 118 uh, congresspersons signed on to the bill. Uh, 
since that time, we've gotten 194 co-sponsors. Now, we need 218 votes. So we have 194 co-sponsors. Unparalleled, again, this is something that has never happened. Prior to the revision of this bill, the most co-sponsors we had was probably 53 or 54. And that was probably in in the 90s. And um, yeah, in, in, in probably 93, 94, uh, I think we had like 50 co-sponsors. And, and again, in 2008 or 2009, but not since then, never over 100. So now we have 194 co-sponsors. Unfortunately, all of them are in the Democratic Party. There's no partisanship here on this issue. Uh, we need 218 votes. There are an additional, there are additional 15 congresspersons who says, okay, if it comes to the floor, I'll vote yes, but I'm not going to co-sponsor. I don't want my name out there. And so we have right now 209 votes. We need less than two handful of votes. We need nine votes to pass the legislation. And here is where we see uh, the uh, the gatekeepers, uh, people who look like us, who are in in the way of us getting these nine additional votes. And to, to let me pivot a little bit to what ha was happening with immigrants. Uh, as you know, um, there's a uh, a proposal to pay $450,000 to the families, uh, to the children who were separated from their families, to their parents, and they can get up to a million dollars for separation during the, uh, when they try to cross into the country illegally. Mm -hmm. Now, we know that our families have been separated for 246 years in enslavement. You know, that's not something new to African people that we're still living the trauma of that. And they're talking about the trauma that that's supposed to be happening. But when you look at what's happening in their situation, you see secretary of uh, health and human services of Cuban descent, secretary of uh, Homeland security of Mexican descent. They're doing exactly what they should be doing for people who look like them whether or not we say they shouldn't go in the front line of black people, but you know, you can't fault their people for doing what they need, what they, what they, they're in leadership. And they should be looking out for their people. You have the same situation where you have blacks in leadership, particularly James Clyburn, who's the democratic majority whip, the most powerful black man in Congress. And the second most powerful black man in Congress is uh, Hakeem Jeffries, who's the democratic caucus leader. Both of those black men should be doing what those Hispanic American men are doing for their people. These two of these black men should be doing for us. They're the two most powerful black men in Congress, or blacks in Congress, and both of them are opposed to bringing HR 40 to the floor for a vote. So we have nine votes short of getting this bill passed, and standing in the way of that is black folk. Steve Hoyer, who's the Democratic leader, who sets the schedule for the floor. Now, this, this bill never got to the floor. It got out of committee. It had never gotten out of committee, subcommittee. It got out of subcommittee in, in February, and it got out of the full com Judiciary Committee in April. We 11 we're 11 months, we seven months later, no action. 
although we have uh, over 200-plus votes. No action of getting us to the floor. And standing in the way is Steny Hoyer, is uh, James Clyburn and Hakeem Jeffries. Now, now uh, help me a little bit, Cam, before I pass it over to Richard, because um, I don't know a lot of this behind-the-doors political process. Uh, is that normal for uh, any legislation or proposed legislation to have that much support, over 200, when they need 214, you said? 218. 218. Majority in the House. And you got 209, 210, or whatever you had mentioned. And it's still stalled. Is that normal? Uh, uh, It's absolutely abnormal. Okay. Okay. Most vote, most legislation, you can take some legislation with just two co-sponsors and get it to the floor or just the, the, the person who's introducing the bill with, with no co-sponsors, just, just the Congress person who introduced the bill. No, it's rare, but that happens. But to have over 195 co-sponsors in this bill and 190, over 190 co-sponsors, and this bill has not made it to the floor, it is extremely rare. Even 100 co-sponsors in the bill doesn't make it to the floor. It is extremely rare for that to take place. And, the you know, the Democrats are saying that uh, if they take this bill to the floor, they're going to lose the midterm election. They'll lose the House and they go to the Republicans, so we can't do anything. And so what we're saying, if you don't take it to the floor, Black folks ain't coming out and vote, so you can even kiss the Congress and the presidency, you know, away, you know, for decades to come. Because this is a deal breaker, I believe, for the black uh, voter, you know, not to have this legislation passed with all of this support in a climate like this climate is in America. You know, where Fortune 500 companies, you know, major foundations, you know, major white ally groups are saying we want to deal with this issue of, uh, of uh, redress for black folk. And the Democratic Party is, is stalling on it. So, Richard, um, and see, that's, that's why I love not only doing this program, but getting the information out, Richard, because the average black person, and you talk to people all the time, Richard, do you think that the average black person knows that Clyburn and Hakeem Jeffries, who comes from a family of Pan-Africanist is against reparations. Do you think they know this, Richard? Not, not to the to the degree of specification, specific, specific being this specific. No. <laughs> and, and and go ahead, and, Richard. You go ahead. Pass and, the mic. Uh, it speaks to um, our political education, also. And so I, I, I want to, you know, right now, I, you know, the shout out is to those in South Carolina and New York to get into those um, who, especially those who listen to Time for Waking and um, are in the districts that um, this Clyburn and Jeffries are in to let them know that they should be thinking differently as being representatives. Would that be a fair, um, accurate statement as an action activity, a political action that we should be pushing right now um, to people who live in those um, two gentlemen's um, district, that they should be letting them know that they should be pushing this. Most definitely, Richard. You hit it right on the head, man. That's that's what we have to do. You know, in COBRA and these other organizations, you know, Human Rights Watch and all these other ones, we're, we're, we're fighting the inside game in Congress, you know, making these phone calls, lobbying, et cetera, et cetera, you know, putting, you know, as much 
you know, influence as we can, you know, to these nine or so holdouts. These are uh, about 18 holdout Democrats. Uh, we only need nine of them, half of them, but we, we're doing all we can from the inside game. Uh, uh, we, we probably won't get them on, but if it goes to the floor, we know we, they, they, have, they would have to vote with the party. They could not split with the party. And so to get it to the floor is we have to have an outside game. And that outside game, I'm sorry, that outside game has to be, as you stated, clearly in the districts of Clyburn and Hakeem Jeffries. They have to know that we know that no matter what other issues they're pushing for black folk, um, they have taken the party line as opposed to the, the black folks line or our interests uh, is, is not priority. The Democratic Party to them is priority and not the interests of black people. And so, you know, again, no matter what, what other stance they're taking in our community, they're taking the wrong stance here. And this is what we have to let, uh, let them know that we know and that we're not having it, but it has to come from their districts, as you stated. And, and you know, uh, Cam, the, the thing that I'm, I mean, um, this, as you say, this is an unprecedented time in use and having for black folks to have a political issue that is so specific to our experience, right? And that that y'all are actually inside um, and on a on a regular basis. I was listening to Sister uh, Nakishi. Um, the, the other day, and she was mentioning um, just what you were saying now, as far as um, the day-to-day, um, is it appropriate to say the day-to-day lobbying that you're doing, you know, in order to get these um, congressional leaders to um, move this bill. Can you um, help us in giving us some sense of what that's like? Because I think that we don't understand that's the inside game. And as we just stated, we need the outside game. But a lot of times we don't get a clear understanding for for an issue that relates to us specifically. What is that kind of work, that kind of movement that you have to do and y'all have to do in a day-to-day area to get them to understand that kind of support? Is there a way to describe that um, from your experience right now that we can kind of tap into? Yeah, so dealing with HR 40 is like, you know, lobbying for any other bill, you know, you know, you have to get in the face of the congressperson, get on the phone, get into their schedule, you know, some issues, you know, they're not they're not favorable and so they're not going to, you know, hold conversations with you. Uh not neither will they, you know, most congresspersons cannot be aware of every legislation that's being uh submitted in Congress. So they rely on their staff and they generally have a chief of staff and the legislative director who, who the legislative director, you know, um, briefs them on all the legislation that's important to them. And uh, they have several legislative aides that are underneath the legislative director. So many times when you work in a bill, you can only talk with a legislative aide. Uh, and you, your, your job is really to get to the legislative director, which they call the LD or the chief of staff so that you know that your legislation can get to the actual congressperson, legislator. And so the job is, you know, to, to, to get up the ranks, 
uh, and COBRA can generally talk not directly to a, a legislative director. In many instances, we can, you know, get on, you know, because this issue is, is so prevalent and, you know, we've been at it for a while. Uh, so we can get to a legislative director. A legislative director can only uh, let the congressperson know that, you know, there's a lot of interest in this legislation. There's a lot of people behind it. Who's all, you know, we have to educate them about who's, who's co-sponsored and who hasn't co-sponsored it. You know what the bill is designed to do, because again, you know these these aides and staffers, you know they may come from all over the country, and maybe you know some countries they don't they never you know live around a black person, but they only know what they see on the news. So we had to educate them on the on the issue, uh, educate them on the bill, educate them on the, the climate, educate them on who else is on the bill. So it takes it's a lot of educating the legislative director in order to get to the actual congressperson. So sometimes there's 10, 15, 20 different um, interactions you have to have, and that has to come from a lot of different sources. So we have a lot of allies that are working with us, you know, the Japanese Americans, you know, they have been tremendous on this issue, uh, holding, uh, holding town halls, uh, holding symposiums, you know, uh, uh, virtual symposiums, they submitted 300 letters to Congress on behalf of, of our uh, reparations, HR 40. They are engaged in, you know, in weekly activities and weekly actions. And we, you know, part of that inside game is to get others to actually take part in the inside game. And that's that's emailing, phone calling. Uh, some, sometimes it, it consists of. Uh, Pre-COVID, we, we did a lot of uh, going to D.C., uh, going to their offices, what they call walking the halls of Congress, you know, from office to office, trying to get get this issue uh, in front of a legislator or get our or get in front of a legislator ourselves. And, and um, so that's really the day to day is trying to, to educate and convince and influence them that this is something that uh, is necessary for quote unquote the country. Uh, and, and they have to see it, and they, they have to see it as something that's beneficial, not just the black folk, but how do they benefit? Because when they go back to their to their uh, predominantly white, or in some cases Hispanic or Asian districts, uh, they have to be able to justify it. And, and you know, we're in a, a divisive. Uh, we I use that you know kind of loosely. We're in a divisive political climate where you know white nationalism. Is at a height, you know, uh, close to the, when I, when I talk about being in unprecedented times for the issue of redress in uh, America since Reconstruction, we're seeing white nationalist hate uh, rise up as well, and so um, That's, we don't know where these people are coming from when we call, when we call where they live and where, you know what how they grew up, but our job is to convince them that this legislation can benefit uh, their bosses and benefit the country. And, you know, you know and, and Ellie, um, once again, you know, um, uh, Cam, you know, to help we get to see um, the political process, which gets, you know, because a lot of times we, we, you know, as we deal with these shows, and, you know, for sure, Elliot, you, you're always bringing up how much we need to be engaged in the political process, especially at the local level. And 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 with and what you just laid out, Cam, um, that day-to-day work, we don't necessarily see, and we definitely complain that our our political legislators don't 
kind of reflect or inform us that this going this is going on. So, and I'm, I'm just kind of thinking and reemphasizing why it's important for those who are in the Time for Awakening audience in, in, in Clybourne and Jeffrey's district, that if y'all are putting out that much energy and effort and needing the resources to be able to do that, if all it takes for us, from us, is to just whether get on the phone or send a paper, that we should be doing that. But, the, you know, something that you, you brought up, if, if, if y'all don't mind, and I'm really, like, interested in where we are, where we are as a political body. And reparation, the HR 40 is a, is a reflection, um, could be a reflection of our political interests, because definitely is a bill that is directed to us. And also, as you said earlier, should be defined by us. You know, you said, you said, you said that, you know, this is unprecedented time. And I'm wondering for over the 30 years, why in this moment is the our political capital around this bill and the political moment um, that with all the support that, that under the wings of uh, that you described, why is it that this is the moment where so much political activity in, in, in your guesstimation? What's 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 so um uh, to where all these legislators, because it, there's been other times in over the 30 years where the Democrats, as the bill has been there, that they've been there. But what is, is there anything that you sense that you can communicate that makes this moment different, that we should be seizing the time on, or will we may lose it? Well, you know, there's a couple of things, you know, that, that have taken place that, that really um, highlight the fact that the injustices of enslavement, Jim Crow, et cetera, are still with us. Um, Ta-Nehisi Coates' article was a, was a big moment where mainstream America was really trying to debate was racist, did race even have an effect? Still, still was it still uh, pertinent or was it just uh, social and cultural? And so that had an effect. Uh, but more so than that, um, the daily videos of black people being, you know, mistreated by the police and murdered by the police, you know, and the data that, you know, supports all of what we've been seeing. We live in a time of big data. So the data is has been flooding mainstream America and the images of, of, of black people being brutalized and racially targeted and murdered uh has been streaming around you know through the the uh cyberspace for the last five or six years at a lot at a you know a dizzying rate so you know it, it was like when um when king and then we're, we're in the civil rights movement you know there was not much movement by the uh, the president until they saw the uh fire hoses and, and the dogs on television and television was the media at that time where you know messages were getting out in a way that, you know, people would have to respond to. And so it was that showing of the civil disobedience and the response by white folks that moved the civil rights legislation to the to the president's desk. And so we're seeing the same thing with social media, the cell phones, et cetera, how data is being driven, the issue, because, you know, you can't deny that there's, you know, a, a different 
life experience of black people than our white people in this country across every metric. Um, uh, the brother Tom Burrell says that black people are on the bottom of every good list in America and on the top of every bad list in America. And the data shows that to be the case. So there's no denial. You know, the, you know black people have been saying, you know, uh, radical black people have been talking about white supremacy and um, genocide. And now these terms are made it into mainstream. But we've been talking about it for 20, 30, 40 years right. or more. And so, and the reason they were they made it into mainstream because the data is clear. Uh, you can't deny it uh, that there is a different uh, social experience for blacks and whites in this country, and we're seeing white people and white privilege and racism and you know police terror, you know uh, daily uh, uh, via social media and via uh, television. So, and you know, I don't, uh, Elliot. I mean, hey, Cam. Look, this this is you know what we're talking about now in the various dimensions. Um, I I'm I I would, and I know you don't have the time. I I would I I have the energy for, and I have uh, a million questions, but I don't want to, uh, as they say, hog the mic. But you know, and Elliot, you know, please stop me. <laughs> you know, <laughs> but. Uh, um, one thing that's interesting, you know, when you mention about the what the HR 40 is supposed to do um, in, in, in relationship to the update and something I heard and I just I wanted, I guess, wanted to get cleared up, um, you know, for my own thinking. In California right now, they're going through a reparations. Um, now, now, let me make sure I got the language right. They, they have a reparations commission for the state. Um, task force. Task force. Is that, is that task force similar to what the commission is supposed to do? Or is it, even though it's dealing with the state, um, what HR 40 is asking a commission to do, or is this task force different? And politically, looking at California, um, and I understand what happened in Galveston, but is, is that closer to um, what the commission would do in relationship to the researching and and defining and providing um, um, ways for remedy, it's exactly um, similar. And when I say exactly, I mean that the California bill lifted the findings and purpose of the, the task force right out out of the finding and purpose of the HR forty commission, word for word. So the task force is charged to find, you know, uh, duties are to, you know, look at the periods of enslavement, periods of Jim Crow and post-Jim Crow, see how all of these harms affected us, what are the current injuries from all of this activity, this harmful activity, and then produce proposals to address those injuries. So that is how H.I. 40 was written, and the task force took that language out of HR 40 and put it into AB 3121 and passed that. So, it's, you know, I, I testified before them and told them because, you know, I was on the task force that wrote HR 40 that their duties and findings was exactly the same as, as, as HR 40 because it was lifted out of HR 40. So, um, yeah, it's exactly similar. 
and and, and that's, that's important because we get to we get to see um, um, when the success of HR forty goes through, we get to see now how that process worked. Um, and, and 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 is that important for us for us who are in the you know in a community that want to um, may have different points of view may may have um, different um, expectations to see how this process worked in relationship to how we can be able to be engaged in um, the mechanism of the commission once HR 40 is actually implemented. Is, is that California task force a way that we can be able to see um, how we can be engaged in the process? Oh, for sure, for sure. Um, part of what they are challenged to do is to go into the community, have uh, hearings and get buy-in from the community, get the community to tell them where they've been injured, how they've been injured, what were some of the crimes committed. Uh, and, and they have to go all around the state and do that. Same way with HR 40. You know, uh, they are charged, the commission be charged to go around the country to look at, you know, what are the harms, the, uh, the existing harms in, in, in this state, in this community, and what does it look like here, what does it look like here. So all around the country, we should be, you know, preparing ourselves, you know, for, um, one, documenting the historical harms that happen in our communities, uh, because that's really what the demand for reparations is based on. You know, what, how were, how were, how were black people in this particular area harmed by uh, the housing uh, restrictions and housing laws? How are you harmed by the railroads? How are you harmed by the, the transportation system in this country that went through your community? How are you harmed by predatory lending? How are you harmed by police terror? How are you harmed by all these different crimes? How are you harmed by enslavement? You know, and Jim Crow and, and you know, those type of things. And so these, we have the opportunity to prepare ourselves for that type of uh, understanding, knowledge of what happened to us and how it impacts us today. And so that when resources begin to come down or projects are implemented, they will have our particular needs even on local areas uh, in mind and how to address those. So the California piece is uh, really, it's more than like Evanston is a microcosm. California is, a, is, is larger, uh, but each of them feed into what, what we would like to see as the national uh, examples of projects and proposals that can be implemented and that need to be scaled up on a national level. And, and, and you know, um, Elliot, the reason why I'm liking what I'm hearing because, um, and, and Cam, it, because it really puts the onus on us to be prepared, right? Which is a That's local right. organizing in relationship to what you say, documenting those harms, right? I mean, we can either wait for the po political machinery to do that, or we can wait for the academic institutions to do that. But this is an impetus that we can be engaged in that directs um how we define that and, and 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 as you said earlier that becomes important right us defining for ourselves not just what happened but what we perceive as the remedy um That's right. that 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 you know you know we talk about all the time of the importance for us to be able to engage in in this and this is an activity um that's why i can't sometimes understand um the detractors and what they're saying <laughs> 
about local reparations, yeah. You know, I just I just can't get it because this this gives us the opportunity, each one of us from our different um lenses to be engaged. Exactly. Yeah. I understand it better. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, so I let me stop. Elliot, uh, you know, I I have more, but I'll um, and you know, just be—I'll be nice well, to you. Well, what, you know, Brother Cam, listen. <laughs> you had some very pertinent and powerful questions, Brother Richard. Well, uh, um, qu- uh, question, Brother Cam, uh, and help me out because you're there. The Black Caucus is the largest uh, political group or caucus in in that house, isn't it? Am I right? The Progressive Caucus, which comprised of, you know, some of the Black Caucus, some of the Latinos, some of the Asians, some of the, uh, uh, yeah, they, they, they call it the Quiet Caucus, which is the Black Caucus, Asian Caucus, Latino Caucus, and Progressive Caucus. So, But the, the CBC is, is one of the largest. largest. It's one of the largest blocks. If okay. If you look at, a ra- uh, excuse me, a racial block, it would be the largest racial block. Okay. Now, th- this is my question. And basically concern. You mentioned earlier in the program about Clyburn and Jeffries being ardent against uh, pushing reparations bill forward. But you have other members of the caucus there. Now, what can our people do that is represented by all of these other folks mm-hmm. to push them? And this, this is what I'm saying. And I'll use two examples. Uh, Biden and the Democrats, especially Biden administration, was going around with this bill back better, and he wanted people to support it. So he was lobbying folks, and the CBC was one of his main ones out there pushing Mm -hmm. for this Mm -hmm. to be done. Uh, Maybe about a couple of months or maybe a month ago, um, in the budget, it was slated for – Israel to receive money for that Iron Dome. But I think about a month ago, they had an emergency session where they wanted another billion dollars that wasn't allocated. And black elected officials was behind it and made sure it passed. So it's conversations and it's lobbying going on, just like you spoke about, behind the scenes that people don't know about. How can the average public get other black leaders that's supposed to represent them to lobby these people and tell them or give them the, the, or let them know that this is for us. This is, I mean, what can be done? Our people can do something besides just sit and look like they're watching a tennis match. That's right. So what they have to do is get in, get in the face of their elected officials. And, and so, and and that doesn't necessarily mean you have to get get personally in their face. Mm-hmm. You have to organize a group or groups to in their particular district to deliver one message. HL forty must go to the floor. It is the you know the CBC sent a uh, had a Twitter poll about four months three months ago. They listed four legislations, asked black people which one was which one was most important. The four legislations were H.R. 40, the infrastructure bill, uh, George Floyd policing, and the voters' rights voting bill. 53% said H.R. 40. Uh, Less than 20% said 
the voting right, voting bill, by 13% said Bill Back, and about 6% said um, George Floyd. So overwhelmingly, black folks told the CBC that HR 40 reparations was what they wanted to see pushed before anything else. And this was a poll That's among black voters, you said? This is a, a CBC Twitter poll okay. among black voters. Okay. So they have, they have, they know what black people want. We have to organize in our district and say, you've been told what we want. This bill needs to go to the floor. Before you negotiate on any other legislation for the, the Democratic Party, you have to get the party to understand that this is what we want. This is what your community wants. And if they want our vote, our, you know, one of the things that black leaders will not do in opposing another party, because now they have party leadership. And so they don't want to give up their leadership. And if they lose the house, they lose the leadership. So they're more. It's, it's personal. They're huh? more, yeah, they're more. Yeah, it's a personal thing. So they're more enamored with the power of the party than our people being repaired. Hmm. And that's what it all boils down to. <laughs> Clyburn, when Clyburn, when he uh, uh, was asked to to uh, support Biden in the primary, oh, yeah, in the primary, this thing was, you know, I'll support you if you you know, put a black woman on the Supreme Court. That's one person. Yeah, it might have, you know, a black person, black woman. That's, that's, that, that, that don't affect 40, 40, 50 million black people. You know what I'm saying? That's, that's, that, that's a class issue. You know, it's not a really, it's not a, a something that, that benefits, you know, the masses, the masses of black folk. Mm-hmm. So that's where they at, man. And I think uh, Timuel, Timuel Black, because of Timuel Black, an ancestor now, he said, these people have been drafted into the conservative structure of the Democratic Party. Once they get in that conservative area, they're not fighting. They're not pushing any radical type of legislation. But we have to let them know that what's radical is the only thing that's going to keep them in office. We're going to take a brief break, and when we come back, we continue the conversation. we got some callers on the line, and I know they probably want to get involved. Uh, you can do that by dialing 215-490-9832. That's 215-490-9832. Our guest this evening is activist organizer, national male co-chair of Encobra, Willie Cam Howitt. Uh, Cam, I want to transition to, in the second half of the uh, discussion on some of the issues internationally, uh, dealing with reparations because I know you're involved in all of those things also. So we'll, do, we'll do that after the break. Again, you can be involved in the conversation by dialing 215-490-9832. Some callers waiting. We'll be right back.
You are listening to Time for an Awakening. Time for an Awakening. With host, Brother Elliot and Brother Richard on Time for an Awakening Media. Part of the Black Talk Radio Network. For podcasting or live program scheduling, hit them up at timeforanawakening at gmail.com. All Insurance Incorporated, an African-American owned and operated insurance agency and business for over 20 years. Located at 231 Southeastern Road in Glenside, PA, with other offices in Germantown and West Philadelphia. Call now for commercial insurance quotes, homeowners insurance quotes, automobile insurance quotes, notary and tax services. Representing over 15 major A-rated insurance companies. Offering a discount on all notary services when you call in for a free quote. Call this number, 21 21- 2444 that number is 215-885-2444 215-885-2444 all insurance incorporated RG Electrical Inspections provides electrical inspections for realtors, licensed electricians, and homeowners. Licensed and insured underwriter, serving Philadelphia and surrounding area. Call today, 484-268-9837. Escape the digital plantation. Abibitumi.com, Abibitumi.tv, Abibitumi.tv.com, Abibitumi.store are here for you. You are ready to be free of non-African social media. Don't run from danger. Run to safety. Abibitumi.com is here for you. You are ready to be free of digital plantations to control your own products. Abibitumi.store is here for you. A-B-I-B-I-T-U-M-I. Black Power. A-B-I-B-I-T-U-M-I. The only word you need to know to join your global commit to you black family, to join your interconnected commit to you black communities, escape the digital plantation now. Abibitumi.com, abibitumi.tv, abibitumitv.com, abibitumi.store. We are here for you. Escape the digital plantation. In this crooked game of power politics here in America, the Negro, namely the race problem, integration, civil rights issues, are all nothing but faith used by the whites who call themselves liberals against another group of whites who call themselves conservatives, either to get into power or to retain power. Among whites here in America, The political teams are no longer divided into Democrats and Republicans. The whites who are now struggling for control of the American political throne are divided into liberal and conservative camps. The white liberals from both parties cross party lines to work together toward the same goal. And white conservatives from both parties do likewise. The white liberal differs from the white conservative only in one way. The liberal is more deceitful, more hypocritical than the conservative. Both want power, but the white liberal is the one who has perfected the art of posing as the Negro's friend and benefactor. And by winning the friendship and support of the Negro, 
the white liberal is able to use the Negro as a pawn or a weapon in this political football game that is constantly raging between the white liberals and the white conservatives. The American Negro is nothing but a political football. Since the 60s, you will see nothing but betrayals by the petty bourgeois elements in our society. The African bourgeoisie is the most corrupt bourgeoisie in the world. In Africa, they seek luxury in the midst of mass suffering. There are more Mercedes in Africa than in any other continent in the world. In America, as soon as they arrive at a position based on this blood of the people, they snatch that position and run away from the people. But you must not think that they represent the people. They only represent their opportunistic self using the people every step of the way. So you must not be confused. The petty bourgeoisie everywhere will be running for cover, but the masses will spare them not. Consequently, we who have dedicated our lives to the people's struggle, we, who knowing that the people will always be free, we, understanding that we must make a contribution to qualify our struggle since the 60s, have been, have been dedicating all our energies to only one task, the organization of the masses of our people. We are not running for mayor, we're not running for president. No changes can come from the top down, we're not stupid. Changes can only come from the bottom up. The masses and the masses alone can make them. If you want to learn something from the 60s, the lesson is simple. Organize the masses of the people. Thank you. Thank you. You're the one who put the present Democratic administration in Washington, D.C. The whites were evenly divided. It was the fact that you threw 80% of your votes behind the Democrats that put the Democrats in the White House. The, when you see this, you can see that the Negro vote is the key factor. And despite the fact that you are in a position to, to be the determining factor, what do you get out of it? The Democrats have been in Washington, D.C. only because of the Negro vote. They've been down there four years. And all other legislation they wanted to bring up, they brought it up and gotten it out of the way, and now they bring up you. And now they bring up you. You put them first, and they put you last. Because you're a chump. A political chump. The party that you bash controls two-thirds of the House of Representatives and the Senate, and still they can't keep their promise to you. Because you're a chump. Anytime you throw your weight behind a political party that controls two-thirds of the government and that party can't keep the promise that it made to you during election time and you are dumb enough to walk around continuing to identify yourself with that party, you're not only a chump, but you're a traitor to your race. Welcome back to Time for an Awakening of Sunday Edition. Our guest this evening, activist, organizer, and national male co-chair of Incobra, Lila Cam Howard, is with us in discussion this evening. You can join the conversation by dialing 215-490-9832. Again, that's 215-490-9832. Uh, let's go to the phones. Let's go to Atlanta first, 404. 404. Hey, hey, 
Hey, Ellie, and, and my man, hey, hey, man, hey, good show. Because look here, I found some information, man. Y'all go to the Spirit of Mandela, man. And it, uh, it was a conference here uh, between October 22nd and the 25th. Guilty of all counts, man. Okay, a hearing was filled with a special uh, uh, international tribunal, man. And after hearing, if you just go to the Spirit of Mandela, of Mandela, Okay, and you will see the whole thing, man. The United States was charged with uh, with uh, genocide and human rights abuses, man. The International Tribunal on Human Rights Abuses against Black. They had to put Brown and Indigenous people from New York, New York Turtle Island, uh, Lenape Land. The USA executive verdict. In the case of black, brown, indigenous peoples charging human rights abuses and genocide against the United States of America. Okay, so uh, my man uh, uh, from Incobra, please look up the spirit of Mandela, man. Okay, see, stuff is happening, man. Before you get to the reparation settlement, you got to prove your case. Okay, I know everybody jumping up and down about reparation. You got to follow the process. Okay, so now. They came with 30 witnesses and hundreds of documents, okay? The panel of jurors found the United States government guilty, man. Okay, so that's how you got to follow the process, man. I know everybody want to get to the end product, but it's like making some damn sausage. You got to grind these fuckers up, excuse me, Elliot, and with the proof, and then you come with what they charge with and what they sentence is, man. Okay, I send it to Otis. I send it to y'all. Time for awakening. And my man from Incobra, just Google Spirit of Mandela, and then everything will pop up, man. Okay, so we got them. We got and see that's what they're doing now with this with this CRT, Caucasians are are going against the truth, are rebuking the truth. CRB, or CRT, CBT, or the critical race theory. Caucasians are rebuking the truth. See, that's what they don't want to hear the truth because they know they tie them up. Uh, my man from Incobra, uh, uh, Elliot and them, they know they tie them up. See, they suffering with plausible deniability, okay, where they don't act like they don't want to hear the truth. Okay, that's what the police, what the police do when they shoot one or down. They fear for their life. They're trying to play the damn victim, man. So we got to be strong and keep busting them in the head with the truth, Elliot and Richard. And uh, uh, I'll leave y'all with that. Just please look up Spirit of Della, man. Mandela, I send it to y'all, man. Time for awakening. Richard, look it up now as I speak, man. You like to talk? Look it up. Read this. Spirit of Mandela, Tribune, man. Read, Richard, read. <laughs> My man. Uh, thanks for your contribution, bro. Yes, sir, man. Y'all look it up, man. Look it up, please, so y'all can correspond with my man talking now, man. We can man, co- collaborate. Do right, man. Yeah, I, yes, sir, so you know, we, we can collaborate, having... man. We we, we had a uh, I think we had a board meeting or retreat while that tribunal was going on, so I could not attend. But I'm certainly aware of it. Assistant uh, Kiki Taifa, one of our founding members of Encobra, she was the lead prosecutor of the case, and uh, the brother, as you stated, you know, the international tribunal, international law uh, 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 was on display. Uh, on the issue of genocide, I think there was five counts, and on each of those five counts, uh, America was found guilty. Uh, and so, you know, what I always say is that, you know, America is like an elephant. 
you know, and, you know, you, you beat that elephant by, you know, the proverbial one bite at a time. We've been taking chunks out of this elephant the last five years, and certainly that tribunal was one of them. Uh, a, a huge, you know, once you get international diplomats and uh, human rights uh, uh, certified human rights workers and, and defenders in a room and they make an adjudication that carries weight. And so uh, the, the court was not like the international criminal court, but it was a court of international uh, renowned uh, lawyers and jurists. And so it, it does have tremendous, tremendous amount of weight you know, on this country. And America backed out of a some type of session it was supposed to be in last week uh, as a result of the tribunal. So it, it's having an effect in the State Department and other places. So, you know, we just have to keep working every, every way we can. Mark, Malcolm told us to go to the international arena. And so that's what we've been doing. Uh, so, you know, the brother's absolutely right. Thank you for your yes, contribution. Sir. And go to the, hey, one more thing, one more thing, man. Go ahead. We go to the ancestors, go to the ancestors, man. They waiting on us, man. They sitting around, ain't doing nothing. They waiting on us, man. Y'all saw what happened with Hank Aaron in the World Series, man. Okay, the ancestors, Dick Gregory, them, they waiting on us, man. Okay, they waiting on us, man, to get 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 our stuff for them, man. We can get down here be BSing for ourselves. This for our ancestors, man. I don't know about y'all, bro. I'm for my ancestors, man. All right, peace and blessings, man. Before I start cussing and get mad, man. But call the ancestors up. We got them, man. And, and, Peace and bless. I love y'all, And man. call some of them local politicians up in your area. I know that you'd be doing it anyway, but make some more calls. Yes, sir. Talk to you. Yes, sir. Right. Love y'all, man. Stay strong. We, we coming together now, man. Everything coming sure, together. Man. I love y'all. Peace. Peace, brother and love. Let's go to Toronto. 647. Toronto. Toronto, are you there? Hello, can you hear me? Yes. Oh, beautiful. I wanted to say that uh, Ras Baraka, the son of Amiri Baraka, is the mayor of uh, Newark, New Jersey, and Antar Lumumba, the son of Chokwe Lumumba, is the mayor of uh, Jackson, Mississippi. And how have uh, these two gentlemen responded to your call for, for reparations? That's one thing I wanted to say. And the second thing is that Oscar Brown Jr. had a song called 40 Acres and a Mule, and uh, Peter Tosh did a song called 400 Years, and the Mighty Sparrow did a song called Slaves. And how has the hip-hop generation responded historically and in the 21st century to the question of reparations? Brother Gant? I'm sorry, I missed the last part of this question. Oh, uh, can you ask that again? The whole uh, last part. No, no, of the, the, whole question. The, no, the last part. When you talked, when you asked about the oh, hip hop generation, I said and, that uh, uh, Oscar Brown Jr. Uh, did a song called 40 Acres and a Mule," and Peter Tosh did a song called "400 Years," and the Mighty Sparrow did a song called "Slaves," and I wanted to know how have the hip hop generation responded to reparations? historically and today in the 21st century? So, hip-hop generation spans a couple of generations. I think you might be in the third generation of the hip-hop generation now. 
<laughs> so, yes, you know, this current iteration, you know, they, they, you have to understand that many of them, dominant, most of them, you know, are being paid by uh, companies that purposely promote the destruction of African life and culture. So if you've been paid to produce that type of, type of uh, content, then reparations and social justice is going to be nowhere in there. In fact, it's going to be, you know, the opposite, and that's what you're seeing out here. And so the current hip hop generation is not one aligned with, you know, uh, progressive or radical type actions on behalf of black people as a whole. Uh, you find a few who have made their money and not so much still beholden on, on the system like a charming or in some cases chance the rapper in some cases they may talk about violence, but they're not, they're not going into reparations at all. Um, we're trying to, to bring them in. You know, that's an effort that we, you know, that's another behind the scenes work that we've been doing lately, is trying to get uh, those who have what we call influence in popular, in popular media. Okay. You have mainstream media, you have black media, and you have popular media. You know, the mainstream is the CNN, ABC, you know, Fox and all that. Well, reparations in, is in that particular uh, uh, venue, in that space, reparations in that space on a weekly basis. Now, that was a huge uh, challenge to get reparations in that space, but it's in that space. Black media covering reparations, no problem. Popular media, where these people hang out, who you're talking about, Reparations is not in that space. That's the on the internet. That's the TMZs. That's you know all the you know Instagram and all of those spaces where they dominate. Reparations is not there at all, or very little. And so that is the challenge that we've been trying to penetrate popular media. But to penetrate popular media, you need a popular media star or several who are you know, skirting around the issue to kind of drive the issue out in, into the forefront. So um, this current generation of, of entertainers, uh, a lot of their celebrities are built on anti-Africans. And so you can't expect, you know, them to be sticking out that time, you know, how they make their living. That's powerful when you say it's, it's um, anti-African. Toronto? Mm -hmm. Yes, I'm still here. And the first part of the question about uh, how have the uh, other uh, people responded in terms of, I mentioned uh, Chokwe's son and I mentioned uh, Amir Rock, Baraka's Rock. son. Yeah. So, yeah, Rock, Rock, how, have they, how, have they, how have they responded to the call for, for reparations? So, Ross Baraka, I think they did something about three weeks ago. Uh, 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 in, in Newark uh, around the issue of reparations, the local reparations. So, you know, uh, certainly, you know, Ross is in favor of local reparations, favor reparations, but, you know, now they're trying to do something in regards to local reparations. Uh, Chokwe, he was on a program on a panel several, a couple of months ago with uh, Sister Robin Simmons out of Edmonton. Uh, so, I know he's aware, you know, of course his dad, you know, was 
championing reparations, so he's not against reparations. I don't know what all he's doing in Jackson as far as reparations, if there's anything going on in Jackson on the local reparations issue. But certainly, you know, they're both, you know, come out of the radical black tradition. So, and with Chokwe, he's come out of the revolutionary black tradition. So, you would expect them to be still, to be in favor of reparations. And I haven't seen anything that suggested they're not. And with that, with that being asked, has the, uh, and I think it's something else I heard, the National uh, Council of Black, uh, National Council of Mayors or National Council of Black Mayors, have they supported um, the HR 40? If there's so, if- yeah, so the National Council of Mayors, Black, White, other, they, you know, all in that group supported uh, HR 40. Mm-hmm. So that was, that came out in 2020. Uh, when they endorsed HR 40, call for HR 40. So many cities, and, and Illinois was probably the first state that uh, passed a a, uh, a resolution calling on the president to uh, pass the federal legislation. Uh, HR 40, I think it was not HR 40, but. But it was the first state that to call to ask the president to uh, pass the federal legislation. And it's because they are understanding that they can't address the issues. Issues are too big to address with local dollars or even with state dollars. They need federal dollars. And so the National Council of Mayors collectively came to the same conclusion that they need federal dollars. They can't do it up from the state level. And they're not getting it, I mean, from the city level, they're not getting it from their state coffers. And so, you know, that's where, you know, you know, most municipalities are. Uh, they'll make that statement prior to calling for local reparations in their cities. Toronto, thanks for your contribution. Can you keep me on hold? Yes. Keep me so I can uh, continue listening. Thank you. All right. Let's go to uh, Revere. Uh, Roger. Roger, are you there? Yes, I am. Can you hear me? Oh, you, you, something is up. Your speaker, something yeah, is up. Uh, sorry about that. Okay. Wait a minute. Uh, Roger, are you okay. there? Roger? Let's try it again. Roger, are you there? Hello, can you hear me? Yes. Yes. Okay. I I wanted to um I wanted to talk about uh the current infrastructure bill and to encourage people to not uh um to not bypass the opportunity of what one trillion dollars in spending can do uh to you know to to provide a down payment on on reparations. I think that people are uh, by, you know bypassing this opportunity and, 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 and it's a rare opportunity of fr- fresh spending um, in ways that will um, um, that could help to um, to really bolster uh, the, the black workforce. There's a piece in the hill uh, that, that says that the uh, the bill will require the hiring and training of thousands of workers to carry out the projects, um, new workers, um, um, skills upgrades and things of, of, of that sort. 
uh, and it will be across um, cities, um, old Rust Belt cities, cities in the Northeast, uh, where you have um, an, an abundance of black workers you know, and black communities that could benefit from, uh, you know, from, from, from these projects, um, be they uh, upgrades of mass transit systems, uh, upgrades of improvements in water systems, um, or um, uh, new investments in uh, battery factories, or the repatriation of uh, auto supply or uh, auto, auto supply workshops and, 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 and things of that sort. Uh, it's amazing to me that you can have a, a trillion dollars on the table, a trillion dollars on the table, and not have the uh, Congressional Black Caucus or leading uh, Black political officials or even sympathetic uh, white Democratic officials say that um, some of this money should be targeted directly for investments into the Black workforce you know, and, the, um, and, and the Black communities uh, um, if for nothing else, as a, as a form, as a down payment on the promise of reparations, and you may remember that during the uh, during the presidential campaigns, uh, several of the candidates, including my senator from Massachusetts, Elizabeth Warren, had a platform right in support of uh, re- reparations generally. Well, now there's actual, there's actually, there's, there's money on the table. Here it is, a trillion dollars, a trillion, and the money has not been allocated yet. It's just sitting there in a kitty, right? And what happens next is that the the Biden administration begins to award contracts, uh, begins to adjust programs, right, and to put that money out there um, in, into the communities, and we have no one. No one that I know of who's standing up and saying a share of that money should go to the black workforce, right? That, that we, are, we are willing and ready. We've got the talent. We've got the bodies, right? We've got the projects. We've got the communities. Right? What we need is the money. There's no one talking about that. They, they, I, I don't, I, I, for the life of me, I don't know what these politicians are, are, are doing out there. They're, sit, they're sitting up there patting themselves on the back and leaving a trillion dollars on the table. They're the worst. They are the worst goddamn gamblers, right, in, 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 in the history of the game. So I, 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 just, wanted, I just wanted to call in to say that um, if you're talking about reparations, don't look to the future. Don't, don't look to future pro- projects and programs and things like that. You've got money on the table right now. Right here, a trillion dollars, right? This is a rare opportunity, right, to, uh, to, you know, to direct as much of that money as possible to the Black workforce and the Black communities uh, directly because they need it. And you have the, uh, the argument of reparations as a platform in the Democratic Party, right, and as a demand by the black community, right? To put that money into, you know, put that money into our pockets. It's right here and right now. So we don't, we don't have to look any further. Anything else is for the future. I think that the, the issue right now is to get that money, a trillion dollars allocated to get as much as that money flowing into our pockets 
as we can and to put a demand on our politicians and on leaders in the Democratic Party generally, right, to make this a priority. And that's what I wanted to say. Thank, th- thank you. Thank you for your contribution. And this is Professor House, isn't it? Richard, I think that was uh, Professor House, I guess, a couple weeks ago. I think that's who it was. Just did an article um, um, in the Foot of Hill. Yeah, in fact, I'm going to put that up on the Time for Awakening page because I I shared it with you. Uh, uh, Brother Cam. Yes, sir. Listen, because I know that we kind of kept you over time. Before you go, let me, because I want to mention uh, the, that MacArthur, uh, uh, money that was given to and Cobra and and also to uh, to uh, uh, NARC, the National uh, Coalition of uh, Blacks for Reparations. Uh, talk about uh, the 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 grant that was given and things of that nature. And uh, well, I mean, listen, we we uh, we know from the work that the the men and women have been doing, especially within Cobra. Uh, what the money is going to be used towards, but talk talk about the the grant money that was issued to the uh, organization. So yeah, you know there was some, there are some uh, powerful sisters at MacArthur. It wasn't you know MacArthur, you know finally coming to see the light. We're going to give this black organization some money. It was three well positioned black women who have been doing work, funding work, and saw that a lot of the organizations on the ground doing great work were not getting any money, especially around social justice. And so they put together a proposal where about 20 or so different organizations, 22 organizations, could get a pot of about $22, $23 million. And one of the sisters who was kind of leading this team was from the continent, is from the continent, and she had did some reparations work on the continent. She had been looking uh, at violence in, in, in Chicago, MacArthur's in Chicago, I'm in Chicago, so she had been looking at the work that Encoba was doing in Chicago, what we were doing in Evanston, you know, there was a whole line, I'm sorry, I'm driving, and this guy behind me got his music up super loud. No problem. Uh, but looking at what we were doing around reparations and saw what NARC was doing and decided that she wanted to direct some resources toward these two organizations as well as uh, about 20 other organizations, not all that were doing reparations work, but healing work, you know, black farming work, you know, land, you know, work around uh, retention of black farmland, uh, creation of... Uh, better understanding between continental and, and African-Americans. You know, it was it was just a corporate of organizations. But anyway, uh, she contacted me, stated that she wanted to give uh, Cobra, MacArthur wanted to give Cobra $1.5 million over a two-year period. And that uh, there's primary four things she wanted Cobra to do. She wanted us to stop being uh, a strictly volunteer organization. She wanted to pay the leadership to do the work full time. If they chose to do it full time, wanted to be able to uh, for us to be able to hire staff, for us to be able to build out our infrastructure, and for us to increase our activities. The only thing we couldn't do was lobby 
around HR 40 with the money. So we'll build, you know, increase our chapter presence around the country and do more actions around local reparations, uh, educating around the federal reparations issue, even though we can't particularly you know, say HR 40, but still educate about the, the movement to pass federal legislation. Um, we'll be able to address some of these corporations, institutions, other parties other than the government uh, who have culpability in our injury. And we'll be able to, you know, uh, coordinate, uh, better coordinate the movement uh, in this country better with, with these resources. So it, it came at a time we, we didn't solicit the grant, didn't write for the grant, didn't know that we, you know, we had never really wrote, we had actually, we had never written for any grant in the history of the program. And I know uh, certainly not the 16 years I've been around that we wrote a grant. Uh, we, we have gotten a couple of grants that people just, Committed anonymously, you know, without any strings attached. Um, but they were small grants, you know, ten thousand, forty thousand, something like that. But to get something of this nature was, you know, just unheard of. And, um, and not with a lot, not without a lot of contention, because as many people in the Cobras that know, we're a volunteer organization. Can't nobody get paid? Get paid? You know, you're not, you know, doing the work, whatever. Um, so there's been some contention, but we, 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 we came out of deliberations, believing that we can do a lot better for the movement, for our people with the resources and without the resources. Now, brother Cam, one question and I'll pass it over to Richard, um, about not being able to lobby for HR 40. Now, is that the board members or the organization? The organization cannot use the grant money. We can still lobby. We okay. Just can't use the grant money. We have to use our own money. What we do is volunteer. Okay. So we, we we can still do what we do, but we can't do it with the money that was committed. Okay. And, Go ahead, Richard. And 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 down this this line, um, you know, and I'm a little, well, down this line. So how does um, the Institute of Black World and NARC, um um so be supportive in relationship to um the way the uh, MacArthur grant comes out if that's an appropriate question is there some other uh, uh organizational effort that is involved in this besides just in cobra um specifically so this to the black world is the convener um, of NARC. so NARC is a project of this to go to the company, well, I mean, to the organization, to the black world, and because the grant was for not only reparations, but also, you know, the other type of work that IBW21 was doing, um, then um, the grant serves not only NARC, but IBW also. And so uh, it is a project of IBW21. So I
and, and moving, uh, um, unless you have something else really specific in relation with a grant, um, moving away from that um, and, and looking at reparations, you know, we, we're looking at reparations in HR 40. And uh, once again, you know, um, I mean, not necessarily, we, we who are, are on the, on the street, really, you know, for the time for waking audience and, and including um, the interests of the, the now um, bills or money on the table or the future um, m- um, potential um, um, resources um, that we can be able to um, define out of the HR 40 bill or the commission. Um, um, you know, um, what I'm trying to get to is that I, I, I seem to hear reparations um, is occurring um, in a lot of different countries, um, the Caribbean, um, England, I think it's, you know, whether it be about art or other relationships. Um, is there a sense um, or is there a communication about um, reparations um, from these different um, countries as it relates to Black folks that in COBRA is make, not if not the clearinghouse, the, um, could be a part of, for us in North America, the hub in relationship to how all this relates um, in our um, present and future power, uh, political power or political capital. Is, is, do you sense all these reparation activities that are going on that is different and, and home to their countries have a benefit um, to HR 40 or to our political capital as African-Americans in, in relationship to this um, political system? That has remained to be seen whether or not we're, we can benefit, we are benefiting from their work. What we do know is they're benefiting from our work, especially around local reparations and, you know, revising HR 40 and, and the uh, type of, uh, of, of interest and energy around reparations in America. Uh, it has a benefit around, around the world. Uh, we're seeing that in England. They're watching local reparations and attempting to emulate local reparations. Uh, we've seen it in the Caribbean where they've you know, increased their uh, access in some of these European countries. Uh, about being a clearinghouse, I'm not sure. I know there's a reparations um, center in Jamaica that supposedly be some type of research center, a clearinghouse for reparations activity. NARC. Uh, has you know, one of the greatest, uh, the largest uh, resource centers as far as news articles and things like that uh, happening globally as well as in America. So it's pretty much the clearinghouse, if you will, of, of information that's coming out in, in the movement uh, internationally. The Congress International Commission um, has not been one where we're leading are participating. And so I think that as we really build out our commissions and our chapters and regions, you know, with help with other money, then we can go back into a leadership position on a lot of areas where, you know, we, you know, we're leading in some areas, especially around HR40, especially around, you know, some of the local things. 
not we're not leading in spaces that we've just that we historically have led in, like the international uh, push, the December 12th movement. You know, it's always a lead in that area, and I'm not so sure how much you know they're doing right now on the international. You had other, like the brother talked about the spirit of Mandela. You have other groups who have popped up uh, and taken some. some Leadership, even you know, just occupying the space, even if they're not leadership and leadership, they're occupying the space in a way that they're doing good work and they have to be recognized. So um, it remains to be seen if Vancouver can lead in the international sphere again. But we're certainly um, participating and attempting to share best practices and share you know what we're doing uh, with our brothers and sisters globally. Definitely, uh, you definitely, from what you've described for me anyway, um, the work that is necessary to get, uh, oh, Elliot, um, don't kick me out, Elliot, because I'm going to say this to get them Negroes in Congress and those of us who uh, sit on the sidelines to get us to recognize that, um, this, this, this political organizing and political education. Um, around HR 40 so that we can define our future, um, even though we address, have to address also the now. Um, I know that's a lot of work and, and I really commend y'all, um, for the tenacity and the, you know, and just having the stick to itness that a lot of us, um, though we, you know, are encouraged by your work, we haven't had the fortitude to maintain the kind of, you know, work, the work effort. Um, that is necessary to kind of move this kind of political um, agenda forward. So I, 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 I'm, you know, I'm really appreciative of that. Well, I didn't see nothing wrong with your comments, Richard. But uh, let, let, let me let me say this while you're still with us, Cam, because I know that you're in transit. Um, because it's, it's been a lot of talk around the organization being able to or getting this grant. Uh, and I'm not taking away from the work that our brothers and sisters have done in the in the in Encobra and other organizations. But Richard, you're here in Philadelphia, and you move around to certain groups, and you see that the ages of our people that are active is older. Um, you know, you you need people to be able to to move around and to get the work done. And I'm not saying that, yeah, maybe I'm wording it wrong. I'm not saying that the older brothers and sisters can't, but you know, in Cobra and other groups have talked to black folks with money. I know they have. I remember Claude Anderson mentioned in private conversation one time that he's talked to black folks with money to help in what's going on. And a lot of them are reluctant to do it. Uh, some of them have given, uh, but it's not enough. So when you got some of these groups that have come forward with any funds, and a lot of the people that's involved in these organizations, they realize the wiles of these other folks, and sometimes the Europe, uh, these the wiles of European motives. It's nobody stupid. But if the, if the money is there for them to have an operating expense or to pay people to do work or have a secretary, you know, 
look, if if it's brought to the table and the people agree to it, what can you say about that, Richard? Nothing. And I'm just I'm just throwing that out as conversation because you have older people that some of them have been retired and they have time, and a lot of the organizations have older membership. But you need if you're going to attract younger people to get involved, and they they're sacrificing. That you need to be able to give them something. I mean that's that's my feelings. I, I listen, you you out here and you you doing a work camp. You see what's going on better than me. What's your opinion in reference to that? And not, I mean, just from just the looking at the different organizations and knowing what's needed. So, you're absolutely right. Let me just give an example. You know, one of our partners on HR40 is HRW, Human Rights Watch. And Human Rights Watch has four employees working on HR40. Paid employees, $60,000, $70,000 a year, working on HR 40 primarily. We can't compete with that as a volunteer organization. And if you have these paid organizations, it so happened that, you know, two of the people who are paid uh, are black, young black, and uh, taking COVID leave. But if you don't have people like that who are willing to take the lead of, of of black organizations and are being led by you know, mainstream whites or whatever, you're not going to get the type of, of, of uncompromised action that you or that you really need, especially on the reparations. And Human Rights Watch is not the only organization. ACLU had assigned two people to uh, to HR40. Uh, Center for American Progress. But, but in Cobra's people, we're all volunteers. And, and we just can't put out the same amount of work that these other people can do. They get paid 40 hours a week to do the work. And we're, you know, trying to put in, you know, five hours here, two hours there, an hour plus over here. You know, you just can't put out the same amount of work. And so the work is going to get compromised just because you got other paid act- uh, actors in the movement. Uh, listen, I, under, I understand. I, listen, I understand clearly what you're saying. Um, but I have faith in uh, a lot of the brothers and sisters that I've come in contact with uh, and in Cobra yourself and others that the men and women know what they're up against. They know who they're dealing with. And it's not like uh, these people are going to take money and, uh, and then all of a sudden turn into some type of Uncle Tom's or Negroes, like you said, Richard. Uh, they're going to be still doing the work. So, you know. Part of the goal of the grant was to increase our work. So that's what happened when we, under my leadership, I got another year and a half of leadership. Under my leadership, we got to increase the output of the work we've been doing. We haven't touched corporations since, you know, Chicago. You know, we, we went out to Norfolk Southern Railroad. That was probably four years ago. At that time, they were a $9 billion company, now they're a $57 billion company, you know, and we haven't touched them. It's a lot of corporations around the country that we've done nothing. We're allowing them to make billions and billions and billions of dollars right up under our noses, and all of that resource, all of their capital was built off, you know, the atrocities committed against our people. <laughs> and we're, we're not just able, to, we weren't able, we didn't have the capacity to continue our struggle in Chicago, and we certainly don't have a, you know, didn't have the capacity to do a national 
effort in some of these corporations. So there's a lot of reparations work that has to be done and can be done. Well, it can. Hey, listen, thanks for coming on with us, spending a little time with us this evening. I know you're in transit, but the, the time you spent Appreciate with you. us is always good. Thank you. Hey, uh, and brother Elliot, of course, brother, always my thanks. And, and you know, brother Jamoke is holding it down for us, man. Conversation reparations, all thanks to you, brother. Greatly appreciate you. Uh, Richard? I, I, I can't say enough, um, you know, as, as uh, a wanna be a wanna be uh active active in COBRA member, um, you know, of where we are right now. Not necessarily just because of HR forty, but because of the political organizing potential we have to be able to move forward and look not just about now, but generations to come based off of the movement of HR forty. Because this, to me, is the energizing moment and of, of our political capital increasing, not just locally as far as national, but international. And that will increase our trade, that will increase our understanding in relationship to the oppositions to our ability to be able to access to true power as a political group. So um, y'all are doing that. And, you know, um, no, you're not the only ones, but in relationship to this issue, um, this project, you're, you are the ones, and I really appreciate and I respect and I, I can't do nothing else but honor the kind of um, energy and effort that you put into it. Thank you so much, brother. That really, you know, we have to be able to tell our story to our people, and, you know, we can't do that without, you know, you, brother Ellie, you, brother Richard, you know, giving us the space to do so. So I am, you know, honored and, and very thankful appreciate this opportunity. Brother Cam, we'll talk soon. All right. Uh, We'll be right back. Listening to Time for an Awakening. Time for an Awakening with host Brother Elliot and Brother Richard on Time for an Awakening Media, part of the Black Talk Radio Network. For podcasting or live program scheduling, hit them up at Time for an Awakening at gmail.com. All Insurance Incorporated, an African-American owned and operated insurance agency and business for over 20 years. Located at 231 Southeastern Road in Glenside, PA, with other offices in Germantown and West Philadelphia. Call now for commercial insurance quotes, homeowners insurance quotes, automobile insurance quotes, notary and tax services. Representing over 15 major A-rated insurance companies. Offering a discount on all notary services when you call in for a free quote. Call this number, 21. 
215-885-2444. That number is 215-885-2444. 215-885-2444. All Insurance Incorporated. RG Electrical Inspections provides electrical inspections for realtors, licensed electricians, and homeowners. Licensed and insured underwriter serving Philadelphia and surrounding area. Call today, 484-268-9837. Escape the digital plantation. Abibitumi.com, abibitumi.tv, abibitumitv.com, abibitumi.store are here for you. You are ready to be free of non-African social media. Don't run from danger, run to safety. Abibitumi.com is here for you. You are ready to be free of digital plantations to control your own products. Abibitumi.store is here for you. A-B-I-B-I-T-U-M-I, Black Power, A-B-I-B-I-T-U-M-I. The only word you need to know to join your global Kometsu black family, to join your interconnected Kometsu black communities. Escape the digital plantation now. Abibitumi.com, Abibitumi.tv, Abibitumitv.com, Abibitumi.store. We are here for you. Escape the digital plantation. that this problem needs to be solved and we can't keep relegating it to generation after generation because a few of us got a little money, a few of us got positions, a few of us have wealth while the masses of our people are going steadily down. No one man can rise above the condition of his people. The brother said responsibility. Is it, is it that we should let them take responsibility to do for us, or should we pool the knowledge that's at the table, the power that's in our community, the wealth that's in our community to change the harsh reality of black life in America? We have to do the job of fulfilling the black agenda. Thank you. message to the black man because the black man today is a man who has been made now almost into a laughing stock nobody takes the black man serious we're just used to be somebody's tool we are the sportsmen we're the singers and the dancers and we're also labeled as the pimps and the criminals and the drug dealers, 
and the killers and the vagabonds of society. We're the bogeymen of British society and other Western systems. And we want to dispel that lie and destroy those myths and put the black man back on the map where we belong. Who is the black man? The black man is the original man. If it wasn't for the black man, no other men could be on this planet. We are the fathers of humanity. We gave birth to all of you. Welcome back to Time for an Awakening. I want to thank our guest that was with us this evening. Spent a little time, activist, organizer, and national male co-chair of Encobra, Brother Cam Howitt. Uh, if you missed any of the uh, conversation, you can uh, it'll be up on podcasts uh, on the timeforawakening.com. You can check that within a day or two, and it should have it up. Uh, we don't have paid staff, so <laughs> I can't get around. I can't, I, can't, I kept my hands full, but I'll, I'll put I'll put it up so you can uh, hear the whole uh, conversation. Richard, um, I'm glad that we could reach out and, you know, have Cam on to kind of tell us what's going on, the person that's there, uh, you know, with the day-to-day business and uh, be able to share these things with the listening audience. Yes, it's, it's like really, I mean, it's helpful, you know, um, I mean, he gave us a lot of, and this is a good opportunity because we talk all the time, these kind of conversations around these issues, whether it be about H.R. 40 
and the political and 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 involvement it takes, or as the um, the one of the callers brought up, or whether it be about the infrastructure bill, these are the things we need to become more and more acclimated to of what kind of work is necessary in order to make these things happen in our best interest. Work organizing, but at the same time, what kind of you know, especially this here um, when HR forty goes through. Um, if we're not organizing now, somebody else is going to be defining what we get. And that that scares the hell out of me, Elliot. It really does. Um, I don't want I don't want the um ac- academy and those coming out of um yes, they have the technical a- expertise. I don't want the um bureaucrat the bureaucrat. You hear how what what Cam said he has to go through in order to get he can't get to the, the congressperson. He got to go through the staff. Then they got to go through the staff director in order to communicate to this person like that. And each one may not be informed of what the hell we talking about. And not only you got to inform them, you got to bring them up to speed to convince them that it's important enough for them. That is work. Yeah. We're doing all the time. And we know we talk about other groups that do that all the time. Mm hmm. All the time. It ain't no like hit and miss, you know, like we ain't got paid staff. You know, like you said, that that million dollar, uh, billion dollar budget that came up on the floor out of nowhere, those people were doing that work. Somebody tell me I'm lying. Yeah, well, Richard, um, it, it, it shows us not only what we're up against, but we that we have people out there that's doing the work. And some of the people have been doing it, volunteering, doing it with no pay. Uh, it just shows you the, the amount of tenacity that's among our people. You know, mm-hmm. sometimes you hear people that, uh, you know, they're ready to give up and they, uh, black people ain't going to do nothing. I mean, you hear it. You, mm-hmm. We move around. You hear people talking. But the work is being done. The thing that's lacking sometimes is the organization. Mm-hmm. And especially on the the level that we're supposed to have it on, and I'm talking about the the black leadership, and that goes to what uh, uh, Professor House, who was a guest uh, uh, a week or two ago, now it came on tonight and was mentioning about this infrastructure bill. Mm-hmm. But you know that goes to what he was talking about in several of his articles mm-hmm. about us changing the way that we operate politically, because. For example, this bill got passed, this bill back better with trillion dollars or whatever towards doing stuff here in the country. And you can best believe, Richard, that some of these countries, uh, excuse me, some of these companies and even smaller subcontractors is already in line for that money. Now, you've been one of the biggest lobbyists and cheerleaders for this bill. And when I say you, I'm talking about the CBC. But where's the guarantees about their communities getting any of this money? There is no guarantees. They haven't come back and told you anything. They haven't even had town hall meetings with the community to see what you want out of this bill. They're just running around being mouthpieces for a Democratic Party. Now, I'll use this as an example, Richard. And we talked about this before. Reagan, near the end of his term, and it happened during the Bush, that first Bush, they pushed that uh, uh, they wanted to create enterprise zones to help the inner city. You remember that? Yeah. 
and it was supposed to be in it because they used South Central as a hub. You know, it was around the time when Rodney King got beat up, beat, and they had to drive nearly burned down Los Angeles. So they said, you know, we got to do something that will create enterprise zones in these cities. Money was poured in to do it. Uh, the cities still look the same. In fact, they look worse. In fact, they're gentrified. Now, oh, wait a minute. It didn't stop there because when Clinton came in, he had adopted a similar program, the enterprise zones, excuse me, the empowerment zones. You remember under Bill right. Clinton, the right. same old dog and pony show about going into the inner cities and starting empowerment zones where blacks can get business and take over the economy of their communities, which was more bullshit. <laughs> Obama came in with the promised neighborhood zones, promise zone. Everybody got these uh, the promise empowerment enterprise. Well, Obama had a little cliche, the promise zones. You remember that Richard? Yeah. yeah. The same thing. And black people were really excited because Obama was in and they figured, well, you'll be able to get some of this. Okay. I live in Philadelphia, the fifth largest city in this country. If I seen, uh, an empowerment zone, an enterprise zone, or a promise zone where black people have started businesses to control the economy of their communities, then my name is Barack Obama. And don't stop there. When Trump came in, Trump had a program, if you remember. Mm -hmm. The opportunity Mm -hmm. zones under Trump. Where he was going to do the same thing in black communities. Nothing. Now, even though these programs was was proposed and money was allocated, where was the black people that got the money? Where was the black businesses? The John Q. Black person that wanted to open up a business in the so-called promise zones, empowerment zones, uh, uh, um, enterprise zones. What happened to it? You didn't have the political voice to make sure that the money got to you, Richard, or to 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 uh, the brother Joe up in Germantown or whoever. It didn't get to them. It might have got to a few political cronies or friends of black politicians, but it didn't get to the average person. So it's the right. same thing now. You got this trillion dollar interpro- uh, uh, bill back better America bill passed. How much money you think black folks are going to get by and large? How many of your elected yeah. officials have came back and told you anything that you were going to get anything out of it? You, the, the thing they're talking is the same old crap about you getting the, what is that? Uh, the trickle down junk that Reagan used to say. Black people, you'll get a trickle down to black people. You'll get to something that fall off the table. So I understand clearly what Professor House was saying. But you got your leadership that's been a failure. And the, the the more we drive that home to get black people to understand that they got the power to get these clowns out of these these offices and start adopting better people to run these uh, uh, city, these local offices. You can get people to do this. You can develop political think tanks and develop your own candidates. You don't have to wait for outside people in your community to come up with a candidate that look like you that might have grew up in your neighborhood. But their mindset is not about you. They're about the people that put them in office and from the people that whose money put them in office. You got Cam saying here that two of the most powerful blacks that's in office is against reparation. You heard him say it, Richard. 
I didn't say it. He said it. And you think he's spreading a lie or, or untruth? He's there. I'm quite sure he's talked with them. So what are we going to do about it? Just complain, oh, we'll never get reparation. Or complain, oh, look at this guy. He's doing this, that. And the only reason we try to showcase what these people are not doing is to alert the people because you're not going to hear it on other shows. You're not going to hear it on on uh, some of the, the popular black terrestrial shows. The only one you're going to hear it on is Carl Nelson. The rest of these shows, Shopton, the, the Golden Eagle, what's that guy on serious? You know what I'm talking about. All those shows, yeah. they're mouthpieces for the Democratic Party. You're not going to hear them saying nothing about what these people are not doing. You're not going to hear them say it. So you got to search for other programs. And there's other programs out there like ours. It's We're not the only ones. But you got to search for programs that's giving you information on what these people are not doing. So you can do something about it. So we can do something about it. Hmm. That's what it's got to be. We got to do something about it. Yeah, so, I, you know... Um, we got one more call that's been holding on. Let me get him on because he didn't get a chance to co- uh, come on here and catch Cam. Let's go. Let's go to him and then we'll start to kind of bring it on home. Let's go to two one five two one five. Good good evening, brother Elliot and brother Richard. How y'all brothers doing tonight? How are you, sir? I'm doing fine. Our praises be to Allah. Yeah, brother Elliot. Yeah, I wish Cam would have stayed. I definitely have some comments to, to, to say to brother Cam. I wanted to you know let him know I appreciate the work he's doing. And to compliment him and everything, and uh, you know, encourage the brothers. I know we're dealing with Negroes, the two Negroes that he talked about, Hakeem Jeffries and Clyburn. They it can get a, it can get you discouraged. Just let the brother know, don't be scared, don't be discouraged. We you know we're gonna win this battle. And I know some of our people, even good brothers and sisters among us, don't think we're gonna get it and stuff, man. You know, what I mean, I, was ta- I talked to one of the callers from our that listen to the show all the time. I talked to him a few minutes ago, and he don't think we're gonna get it. And I understand his frustration because, like you said, you can you, you can be traded. We we got the Clyde Bones and the High King Jeffries of the world. Negro that's supposed to represent you, telling you that they're against it and stuff. And we, like you said, Ella, we can't let that deter us, man. We got to get clowns like that out of office, man. You know. And I'm gonna tell you something, Elliot and Richard. You know, when Brother West was on. West made a good point when he was talking about uh, about these Europeans, these devils, when they keep with the CRT, critical race theory, and all, and this attack on that. See, and West kind of hinted at it and stuff. I do believe West is, is, was on to something there, Brother West. I believe that you already said talk about his number of distraction because they know, like you said, it's not taught in the schools anyway. I think this is a, it's, it's a, it's a white man. You understand that? The Honorable Elijah Muhammad said the devil thinks so. These devils are so wicked and devious. They always think, they think as far as, you know, they think 10 steps ahead of us sometimes if we don't keep our guard up, if we get my drip. So I think this whole thing of CRT is is, the, is is a precursor to the attack on what they really want to attack, and that's reparations. I think this all this is is, 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 is to throw a preemptive strike against reparations, and that's why, like, that's why they got their Negroes in place. Like, and it don't matter whether it's Democrat or Republican. You know how them Negroes are. They're the same. Like they, like, you, like 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 Bob Brady, like the like like, like the late Billy Men from the head of the Republican Party here here in Philadelphia said his son took over after he passed away. He said to the former congressman, Brother Elliot and Brother Richard, for the Thompson Waking List or what is and when they crab or lobster feast twenty something years ago, the elders who's now deceased now. He said straight up just what they think of us. He said he said, you know, 
he was he was talking to a reporter, you know, because the bed was flowing, the crabs, the, the barbecue ribs, and they was having a good old festive time. And he commented off the record to one of the white reporters, I think, from the Northeast Times, one of those periodicals. He says, well, you know, because he asked him about the number of blacks in the Republican Party. So Billy Mayer says straight up, he, he didn't, you know, you can say the bear was talking, but, you know, they always say, go, if there is the alcohol talking, Elliot Richard, you know, you, we, alcohol really has a way of bringing out the truth for how you feel. So, so the late Billy Mayer singer said, well, you know, they both, no, no, dig, dig the deal, Richard, now they both from Irishmen. So, so Billy Mayer singer said, well, you know, my good friend Bob Brady, you know, he ran the Democrat Party, and he said, and he said, he said, he said, my good friend Bob Brady, he got his niggas in the Democrat Party, and I'm trying to increase my niggas in the, in the Republican Party. Said it straight up. He said it just like you say, you go and watch, you and Richard go after the show, you and Richard gonna go down and sit there and have dinner. He said like it was no big deal. You know what I mean? So, so my point is that they know they got Negroes like Clyburn and Hakeem Jeffries in place. This is why I think this whole like Brother West was kind of hitting that this whole thing attack on CRT is number the Trip this strike on reparation, but these devils know it's coming. They they're doing all they can to try to stop the inevitable. So I think this I think this, this and then we need to be really wise that this this all this attack on critical race theory is number the rules for what they really want to stop, try to stop and everything. And we got to be on top of that, you know. And 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 and, and, it's, and, and you, you know you and Richard was conversing just now. And I agree with y'all about this. Uh, Congressional black they're disgrace. Now, how the hell you can have Joe Biden? Think about this for a second. I mean, this is common sense, Ellen Richard. You have to be no smart. I'm no smart anyone out here. I'm just using common sense, though common sense not always common. How can you have a, a build back better plan when you look at the conditions of black folks all over these United States of America and stuff? You see how people are living in, in, in squalid conditions, poor-ass schools, underperforming schools, food deserts, you know, schools with, 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 with asbestos in them, uh, not having running toilet, not having toilet paper, rust coming out of water fountains in places like Flint, Michigan, lead-filled water. I mean, it's, it, this goes on and on. How the hell can you have a so-called congressional black caucus, Brother Richard and Brother Elliot, and these niggas not at the table pushing Joe Biden to make sure that black folks get get a, get a large chunk of that money. I mean, it's a disgrace, man. I mean, I mean, you think any, yeah, man, I'm telling you, uh, just that alone should, should be enough to want to run these niggas out, out, out of these offices, man. They, they should be, that whole congressional black caucus should be right there in Biden's face 24-7 and look, man, that money, we want that money go to, we going to create an empowerment zone, like you said, promise zone, and not just them empty promises of the bombing Trump and them made, but the serious things that's going to, where black folks can be in a position to, to establish black businesses, they can, like you said, to control the economics of our, of our communities, like Malcolm said 50, 60-something years ago. And the fact that these niggas are not even talking it, it's a disgrace, man. That's why I, I firmly believe, Brother Elliot, if Cynthia McKinney was still in office, I believe she'd be right on the, she may be out there by herself, but she'd be on the doorstep, brother. She'd be on the doorstep banging and raising hell about that bill better, make sure that bill better money goes, be, be, be allocated towards the black community. I mean, it's a Shame that these niggas put to represent us, and they're not even, even, even saying anything. They're not coming back to our people, saying that that money should should go to black empowerment zones or nothing. I mean, these niggas are disgraced in this life, and they are disgraced in the next life. I mean, think about that, man. It's it's, it's, it's disgraceful. Well, listen, you, know? you, you um, you're here in Philadelphia. You, you here? Hold on a second. You're here in Philadelphia, and you hear mm-hmm. uh, the congressman, the local congressman. Come on mm-hmm. this program every Saturday. Yes, sir. He come on every Saturday 
never take any calls from the public who he's supposed to represent. That's correct. And his whole rhetoric is Trump, 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 Trump. Trump is out of office. I, I, what mm-hmm. is that supposed to be? Some type of dog whistle for black people? As soon as they hear the name Trump, <laughs> Trump. I mean, you can say any of them. Say Clinton. Say. I mean, what, to, to me, it ain't no difference if you're saying Trump or Clinton. Exactly. But he comes on there, and his whole—he never takes any calls nope. as a representative. And his whole uh, uh, spiel when he's on there for ten or fifteen minutes is talking about Trump. Nothing no. about what he's doing. Nothing about what he has accomplished or, or intend to accomplish. Nothing. Uh, no. And, and, and I'm not saying anything. I hope I'm saying anything. So, I mean, you're in Philadelphia. You hear it. I, you know, I heard every week, man. And it's disgraceful, man. And the fact they let this clown get away with this kind of stuff, man. It's a sin and a shame because, like I say, our people, they suffer from, like like, like, the Hosea, like you said, the, the, the beautiful verse in, in the Bible, Hosea. Our people suffer from lack of And it's the truth, man, because also about people, they're not even aware how, what this guy is, is peeing in our face and telling us it's raining. You know, for, you, for, for, for the use of a, a better cliche, but you get my point, man. It's a disgrace what these niggas do to our people, man. I mean, how the hell you can get on there every week talking about Donald Trump? I don't hear nothing about no Trump. Because like you said, Alex, you can say Trump, Clinton, Bush, all them devils and stuff, Republican or Democrat, it'll make no difference. they be all white, man. What's the deal? I mean, see, well, that's what you get me, Alex. We the only people, and I hate to say this, but I'm spending not at a at a to put our people down, but just out of constructive criticism. Cause none of us is above criticism. But we we are only people. I don't, I don't see our Latino brothers and sisters or our, our indigenous brothers and sisters. Nobody else talk about. You know, they, they get so upset about this Democrat Republican Party like like our people do, and the way they take it personal. And I'm and I'm, I'm speaking from personal experience. I've been around again our Latino brothers and sisters. I've been around our Native American brothers and sisters. You know, our you know Asian and, and stuff like that. And I swear, they don't give a damn who is in office, whether it be Republican or Democrat, whoever wins, wins on either side, they lose, they Chinatown, keep on running. You know what I mean? I talked to my, my Asian friend that got a business in Chinatown. He said, yo, I don't care about no Clinton or Bush. I'm running my business no matter who they are. And I, and I, I got to respect him, man. He don't give a damn about who in office. He go, his, his business in Chinatown still goes on. But yet we the only ones get on these Black terrestrial radio shows and take that stuff personal, arguing about about Donald Trump and Joe Biden, two white men who have a history. Think about what I'm saying. This is not no opinion. This is documented fact. You look at you look at Trump's history. Him and his racist ass father getting sued by the Justice Department. You know him. You know him making the little racial things in the African countries, but shithole countries. I mean, you know Trump's record and his father's record is well documented. And then Joe Biden calling our people super predators. So you got two racist is white men, but one Democrat, one Republican, who have had a history of being racist and bigoted towards black people, and you get on these shows and they want to argue about which your devil better than my devil. I mean, this is insane. While people catching the hell from both of them, and yet we on these radio shows arguing about deep money. I'm like, you're selling, like and your point is both. You can say either one. So you, when you say Trump, you can go right on and say Clinton's. You know what I mean? I mean, we, we keep playing this game with these people, man. Instead of using this party, this political party to our advantage, to try to get some things done to move our people forward, we keep playing about your white man better than my white man. You know what I mean? I don't care about no Reagan and Bush and Clinton and Trump and Biden and them, because they're all a bunch of bigots, as far as I'm concerned. And so, even if you can throw 
So, but Barack Obama then mixed this happened to have darker skin, but he had the same mindset as them. You know what I mean? I mean, we just we keep playing this game with these people, man. While people are catching the hell, we go like Mr. Farrakhan said on the clip you play. Our people going further down and down while they keep playing this Democrat Republican thing. I mean, come on, man. You know. And 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 Ellie, you sure there's no difference. Look what happened up in Buffalo. He said, "Believe the sister Dora Walton." How all those white bigots who normally wouldn't even give a damn about that Negro up in the Buffalo, Byron Bell, who's nothing but a gentrifying the house Negro. But you notice how they came and gave him money. Think about this, Ellie Richard. They gave that Negro money to make sure that that progressive sister who had she gotten there made, would have attempted to do right by our people. They made sure they didn't give her a chance. So they, so they all them put money to make sure that that house Negro stayed in office. And he got a lot of it from white racist Republicans who normally wouldn't give him the time of the day. You see what I'm saying, Ellie? <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, so you see clearly how these people roll, man. You know what I mean? And yet we keep playing that Democrat Republican game while people catch the hell out of here, man. You know? And again, I plan, I close with this, I'll because I'm going to press the time again. Like I said, it's a disgrace that you don't have no black, these congressional black caucus is not at the table. You know, demanding that that money is allocated, a large chunk of that money is allocated towards the black community for some kind of empowerment or promise zone, whatever term you want to call it, that can, that can set up black businesses under the concept of what the Honorable Elijah Muhammad say, do for self, and the, the, the Honorable Marcus Messiah Darby. You know, it was about black empowerment. The fact that none of these Negroes even thinking like that or saying it, it shows you right there where their head is at and how they feel about us as the people, man. Again, you don't have to be, you know, you ain't got to beat your brains out about it and, 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 and give yourself a headache. It's clear as day. It's clear as the nose. It's clear as the nose on your face and stuff, man. These people are a disgrace, man. This way, when that, when that bill finally goes through, if it goes through, believe me, it's going to go to the same old people. You know, you'll get some roads built, you'll get this and that, and the rest will go to the, to the white power structure, and they'll give food out to these handkerchief aid Negroes who they know ain't going to do nothing for the money for our people, like they always do. So we know how, what, what, what's, what's going to go down. You know, say build better, build better. So build better for who? That's the, that's the last question. Build better for who? You know? But anyway, yeah. I know y'all press. I, I thank you for letting me express myself, man. And again, I encourage Brother Cam and all the other sisters and brothers throughout this country that's fighting for reparation to keep the good fight. You know, it, 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 it seems like a daunting task sometimes, but we don't have the option of, of, of giving up. We got to keep doing what we got to do because I think we can get to the finish line. It's going to be a struggle. We know we got the Clybourns and the Hakeem Jeffries and, and many Negroes of that ilk and stuff. So we know what we're up against. We're going to keep struggling. And lastly, that Negro used some of that Golden Eagle just sent it to his number of Democrat talking piece. That's Joe Madison. Yeah, Madison. About. Yeah. They're both disgraceful. He's another disgraceful. I can't stand that nigga. I'm just going to be straight up. I can't stand him, man. But thank well, you for, for your time. Uh, on the way out, here's an experiment for you, because I know that you you talk on the uh, terrestrial station here. Go mm-hmm. on there and ask the host. And mm-hmm. by you asking the host, people will hear it. Whether they know that Clyburn and Jeffries is stopping H.R. 40 from coming to that floor. And I bet you the host won't know, and neither will the callers. See, that just shows you that our people are destroyed for the lack of knowledge. Our people are not yep. stupid at all, but they don't get the proper information. Well, brother, on that same note, I'm glad you gave me that assignment. I'm going to definitely do that. I'm going to call that particular individual tomorrow morning. And to prove your point, Elliot, when I, when I called up and asked him about that uh, white boy from, the, from that religious network that called black ministers hoes and everything, he didn't know nothing about that. Or so he claimed. Remember all that? He said, he said, he didn't have any thought that. 
And matter of fact, Sharpton even acted like he didn't know about when I, when one of the brothers called from around the country, man, Sharpton about it, he didn't know. And I'm saying to myself, how the hell can you not know you're supposed to be one of the premier black ministers in this country, right? You got your own talk show on, 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 on stuff that's heard, heard not only around the country, on terrestrial radio, you even on serious radio. Your show is, 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 is simulcast. And you mean to tell me you don't know nothing about that? You know what I mean? I mean, I mean, these, I mean these people, man, they, they something else, man. You know, how the hell can you not know about that? You mean to tell me you, 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 you're not plugged into the black church? You, you're one of the prominent black ministers in this country, and you're not plugged in with these other black ministers? You don't know about it? I, boy, I find that hard to believe, Brother Elliot. I find that hard to believe. Thanks. But again, that, that, again, that's what you're dealing with, man. Thanks, Thanks for your brother. contribution, man. You're welcome, brother. Peace. Richard, we come up to the end of another program, man. Yes, yes. And a good one at that. Um, I think, you know, I'm excited as far as in, um, we're, we're the accomplishment. But yes. Yeah, so uh, before we leave tonight, just want to give the lineup on time for an awakening media Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. African Perspectives with Brother Oshi. Always interesting dialogue and guests on African Perspectives. And you can catch that Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Later on Monday evenings, from 8 to 9, Black Therapy Central with host Dr. Mawia Kamban and, and uh, Dr. Kamal Kamban. And from 9 to 10, first and third Mondays of every month, Conversation Reparations, that's in Cobra's program. On Tuesday, from 8 to 10 p.m., Black Reality Think Tank with Dr. William Rogers. On Friday, oh, on Wednesday, I'm sorry, it's our time, the Black Farmers program from 8 to 9. Uh, that's the West Georgia Cooperative. And from 9 to 10, the Black Agenda Project with Dr. David Muhammad. That's uh, live from Trinidad. That's from 9 to 10 on Wednesday evening. Uh, Friday, time for an awakening is back from 8 until. And then on Saturday from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m., the elders of Sankofa with Brother Alfonso Watkins. And then on Sunday, time for an awakening is back from 7 until. I want to thank everybody for listening to the program this evening. Lively discussion as always. And we'll be back on Friday, Lord willing, to continue on this path towards an awakening. Peace. Peace. If you're driving through the country on a lazy afternoon Children playing after school. They seem to be so unaware. Oh, I know, I know the things that they'll soon have to take care of.
Save the children. 